Hi, my name is Beth, and I am the host of the Seeking Light podcast. In a world that presents us with growth and challenges, there is tremendous light. And this podcast is a source of light through scriptural insights that I have gained through the years. Come join me as I share light in a world that can sometimes be confusing. Okay, thank you everybody for joining me today on um, Friday's podcast interview. So as you know, if you've listened to some of my Tuesday releases, um, my parents and my mother and father-in-law, they are reaching their early 80s. Two of them have reached their 80s. And then my parents are 79 and 78. And as they are aging and we are aging, we are constantly thinking about their future and their needs and who can help and what the situations are. And in our ward, we have um, a brother in our ward named Josh Latin, who literally for the last 15 years has run an elderly care home and it's um, heritage elder care. And it's in Oregon up here by Damascus. And I reached out to Josh and he gratefully agreed to come on here because in our lives, you know, the podcast seeking light, we're trying to do things to make life better for others. We're trying to be like the savior. And I can't think of a better place than Josh's setup that they have to love and care for our family members before they return to heavenly father. So Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> so when I reached out to Josh, he goes, Oh, this sounds fun. And like, I'm glad he feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Josh, I want you just like, how did you get to this place? So before you even started this 15 years ago, share a little bit about your, where you grew up a little about your youth and did you always have a place in your heart for elderly people or share a little bit about that? Yeah. As I look back at my life, I definitely can see where I was prepared and led to this point. Um, I grew up, uh, my father was in the Marine Corps and uh, sort of settled on the East Coast in the D.C. area, family of nine kids. And uh <clears throat> After after college, I was sort of at a loss as to what to do, you know, and um, I was out here in Oregon and basically had sort of bounced between a few different uh, a few different business ideas and business models. Um, but I ultimately sat down one day and said, I need to find a business that my wife and I can work from home and raise our family in sort of like a, uh, business, uh, that's, that's from home. We just really wanted to raise our family around our business. Um, so I brainstormed like quite a few different ideas and this one just felt right. It just was the best idea. And so we started this, you know, 15 years ago, it took us a whole year from, business inception idea to even go looking to see you know licensing and financing of this type of business um we didn't realize these these types of places exist and just to give you a, an idea we run a a small elderly care facility so we'll just take usually about five uh people at a time 
Um, but over the 15 years, we've cared for over 100 people. And uh, we'll take them at different stages of life. And we'll do a lot of end of life care. Um, but then there will be times like right now, all of my residents are very healthy. They're all in their 90s. And it's a really nice atmosphere down there because everybody's just friends. <laughs> so, now, yeah, it's a little. Yeah, go ahead. How? I mean, because obviously you have an entrepreneurial spirit. But how did you even <laughs> like, we could think of a lot of things like car washes and, or, you know, a uh, family, I don't know, still different kinds of things, but an elderly yeah. care home. It's like, how did you even think of that? Well, um, my wife was a nurse at the time. And so I was trying to think of businesses that I could sort of harness her expertise. Um, but also, uh, just looking back, you know, my mother has always been like very much a peacemaker and someone that, uh, nurtures and cares for others. Um, and I definitely, I, I've recognized in my life that I have that gift of wanting to help others and wanting to always reach out and um you know just look looking for looking out for others around me <clears throat> and so that part came easily in high school i was visiting um these nursing homes and uh i can remember doing projects and my you know going being taken to these places and and visiting uh we'd sit around and do a lot of visiting, which is what I do a lot now as well. I get on and visit quite regularly. Um, and, you know, living, having your business in, inside your home is nice because the, the commute is very short. <laughs> I don't have to go anywhere. But, um, but yeah, it, it just seems like I've always gotten well, along well with, with the elderly. Um, and, and so, uh, it's, it's very easy to, to sit and just talk with those. those um, people. what kind of families, like, what's the process of having a room in your place? Are there well, criteria get, that they have? No, I get, uh, as a private business, I can pick and choose what clients I take. Um, but I get them from all walks of life a lot of times my biggest source is just people from the neighborhood i get to know people right here around my general area within about a five square mile uh, area that is pretty fun you get to know a lot of people and the people that were raised here and and grew up here uh, and even settled here i've, I've taken care of families that they lived in this valley right here and there was only two houses and they, they can tell me a lot of cool stories. Um, and, and yeah, so I've, I've felt like through my, uh, through this business, honestly, I've been blessed in more ways than I can, than I can count. I have over a hundred friends that I have made very close, 
you know, friendships with. I get to know them. I learn about their lives. And, you know, the sad part of this business is, yes, they do pass on and and die. But it also uh, those are people I would have never have met and developed relationships with uh, without this business. So, yeah. And, you know, your the home is really beautiful. I mean, if, if people saw it, they would see that it's gorgeous. So give, what does it, a a person gets in and what does their family come and just set up their room? Um, How do you like, what are some of the things you offer? So it depends on what stage of life they're coming in. If, if, if I have a family that's reached out to me or sometimes I'll have uh, referral agencies that reach out to me for a family. Other times it's discharge coordinators from hospitals or hospice programs. Um, so all different ways I get contacted and they say, hey, you know, I have this person and they need this help. Um, a lot of times it's just they're starting to be a little bit of a fall risk or they're getting a little confused where they don't know where they're going. And so we give them that safe environment where the home is very monitored. Um, they can't just wander off. Um, they, or if they're a fall risk, I set up certain, you know, things in their room where they can basically be monitored. If they stand where we're alerted and we're right there next to them. So depending on the stage they're in, if it's a hospice client, a lot of times we'll bring in just maybe a couple pictures or things that they can see if it's someone who's uh, earlier in life, they'll want to set up their room just like their their own home was. So I encourage people to bring things that remind them of home. And we encourage just that continuity, especially if someone's just getting a little more, just a tinge of dementia, or maybe they're in the middle of a dementia type of situation having that continuity is really important for them. What have you seen change over the last 15 years? Right over my head. What? I'm just waiting for the helicopter to go over my head. Sorry (laughs) about that. No, it's okay. The quietest place in my home is sometimes outside. Um, <laughs> yes, right by the back. way, you guys, you guys won't see this video, but Josh is sitting, I'm assuming on a balcony or uh, a, a patio yeah, and I'm beautiful green trees behind him. And it's beautiful. So anyway, okay, <laughs> go ahead, Josh. What, what, like, if you look back 15 years ago, so 2008 mm-hmm. and you look now, what are some things, some major changes you've seen and what are things that are st- still the same? Um, the cost of care has drastically increased. I'm always shocked at how much everyone's charging. Um, and that's, that can be very daunting for a family. Um, you know, many times families try to take care of their loved one for as long as they can themselves, but eventually you get to a point where you're so burnt out that your care is your quality of care is suffering and so i've i've come across a lot of families that turn to me at a time like that and 
and it's okay. You know, families, children especially, suffer a lot of guilt in turning over the day-to-day care of their family member. But I try to remind them that, you know what, it is, you can be a better son or daughter to your parent if you can sort of release yourself from that everyday um, responsibility uh, that's causing you to, you know, (laughs) I've seen family members who are caregivers that start to suffer their health and financially in other ways that, uh, that just hurts their relationship with their, with their loved one. Um, and so the cost of this type of care has increased a lot. And a lot of people are quite surprised when they start looking around at homes at, at how expensive it can be. Um, over 15 years, I've seen it over just almost double uh, the amount of cost that is, that is charged for just a simple type of uh, care facility. Like what's the average? Can you give an average price? So I would say the average right now um, for a month, 24 hour type of care scenario is seven to $8,000 a month, but it can quickly climb up to 12 or $15,000 a month. Other type of facilities, um, I don't ever charge that much because I don't, I, I just, I remember when it was like two to $3,000 a month. And so that's where I originally so what's, created my- Josh, what's brought the climb? What is it? Is it the cost of nurses and people to help? Yeah, I think them? overall the overhead cost of building these types of places. Um, and then it, wages have all increased uh, as I've been doing this type of business. So, so the wage increase is pretty, uh, I think, taxing on a lot of these larger businesses. I try to keep a small crew since I run a small uh, business that I can, I can usually keep my costs very low. And, uh, and that is a bonus for the families who find me. Okay. So I want, I do want to ask you about your crew too, but before that, what are some things that you feel have stayed the same? So the cost has changed for sure, but what, what's some things that have stayed the same? Uh, I think overall the business model has always been the same. You know, we just care for people and um, finding the way I find clients and help clients you know, the basic mechanics of the business doesn't change. Uh, we do hospice care and that's, that hasn't changed. It's all the same type of care and everything we do. Um, I, I haven't changed any of my methods. I've over the years gained different tips and techniques of, you know, maybe, uh, how to soothe or how to help someone in a certain type of situation that I may have not seen before, but overall, you know, the care model is, is just about the same. Hasn't changed. Can you give an example without anybody in particular of how you would, a situation that you would kind of handle differently than you just techniques you've learned? Yeah. So, um, I can, I can share uh, an experience I had recently. So I've, I've done a lot of hospice care over 15 years. I, like I said, it's, it's well over a hundred people and a lot of the normal methods of 
uh, hospice care and palliative care is as they get into this cycle of, of breathing where you know that they're sort of on the last week or days, uh, you, your focus is comfort and your focus is uh, reducing any type of anxiety or pain. And in America, the way we do that is, is usually with drugs. You know, we, we'll give morphine and we'll give Haldol and other types of palliative type of drugs that take away the pain or like a liquid lorazepam to take away anxiety. And so these types of drugs I've, I've gotten very used to using and how they work and how they affect the body and the breathing. Um, and uh, recently I, I had a lady who was uh, very determined to, to not use any type of drugs. Mm -hmm. And she was insistent. This was her end of life requests. And so she came in and uh, she was dying of cancer, but we honored this request. And for me as a caregiver, it was difficult to experience. Um, but also the family members didn't understand why we weren't helping or giving her something to take away that pain. Um, and I had a little difficult time um, giving this type of care. So I reached out to another hospice nurse who I've trusted and known over a few years. And she relayed to me a good example that helped me, but I also relayed it to the family and it helped them as well. We, we, as a society give, um, we give, for example, women, pregnant women, the right to go through childbirth without any drugs an epidural take, or anything yeah, an yeah. epidural or something to take away that pain and that's their right to go and feel and experience that natural pain that ex that experience that uh that happens during childbirth uh yet as a society we're hesitant to allow someone the choice to experience death uh with that same uh pain that that comes with death and so I relayed this to the family and they sort of said, wow, yeah, I, I can see uh, that it is her right to make this choice. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Everyone has reasons behind these choices. I did hear about another gentleman who, when he made the same choice, I didn't care for him, but he explained it to his nurse that he was grieving the process of leaving this body that he had had for so long and he wanted to feel this body no matter what in without it you know the drugs taking away that that feeling or that ability to acknowledge what was happening to him to the very end as long as he could and that was his choice to, to sort of go through that process in that way um and so you know i'm not advocating for everyone to just now die without drugs i think drugs are right. a great <laughs> a great crux in it but for for myself as a caregiver and as a, as a professional in this industry i was it was a whole new type of epiphany where i had to think about it differently and say oh yeah this is their personal choice and their right to experience this this part of life in this way um because death is going to happen to everyone and you know and sometimes we don't choose when or how we die, but other times when you know you're dying, you can basically set the 
set the rules. Uh, and so that's what this person did. Wow. Can you explain, cause, um, I mean, not, uh, not everybody understands what hospice is. And then you said, did you say palliative? Yeah, palliative care. Palli- uh, yeah. Could you explain both of those to give some definition to them? Yeah. So palliative care is really just, um, sort of that end of life time where you start taking, uh, care of them. Uh, let's say, I, I'm not sure exactly the difference between the two. I, I know that hospice really is the term of end of life care. And I've heard palliative care used for, um, people who, uh, just need sort of extra help. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's used pretty, uh, they're, they're used a lot of times in the same, in the same way. Okay. So it's a similar definition. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to ask you about your crew. Cause you said that you have a small crew. So I know that Allison was your nurse at one time, but what, what does it look like for you right now? Uh, so right now is I've got an awesome crew. Um, my 22 year old daughter is, uh, she's studying to become a nurse, but in the meantime, she's one of my main caregivers and her best friend that she grew up with also is a caregiver for me. I, um, so I'll have caregivers on at all times. Um, and I, I can usually get away with uh, three to four caregivers during the week uh, because I have such a small population. You know, I might have one to five type of uh, staffing ratio. And then we always have a consulting nurse that uh, we have access to at any time as well. Um, but <clears throat> it's interesting, all of caregiving can be a beginning job for someone, you know, you can turn 18 and get a caregiving job in Oregon. Um, so over the years, I've gotten a lot of young people who are trying to become nurses and trying to get into the, uh, health industry in general. Um, and this might be maybe their first job, uh, and I'll train them and teach them how to properly lift someone and how to properly change someone or, or do turns in bed, if that's the kind of person we're taking care of. But uh, yeah, so that's sort of what my staffing looks like. And then I'm always around. So I'm a big part of the staff. (laughs) (laughs) I would assume so. What do you Uh, do? What do you do about nights? What do you how do you work the nights? Yeah, the nights are are such that um, uh, we have different feeds, like out of each room is always an intercom system, but depending on their situation, I might put a video feed in their room if they're a fall risk, or lately I've been using these uh, alarm triggers that trigger any movement in the room. for someone that might be a fall risk or for somebody that might be a, an escape risk, a wanderer, 
uh, they'll be sleeping. But if they get up and they start wandering around their room or outside, uh, the alert doesn't audibly alert them or it just goes straight to whoever has the the hub or to my phone it goes to both places and so <clears throat> night whoever has that night shift is just responsible for anyone getting up at night and finding out why they're getting up are they needing any help in the bathroom or are they wandering you know to try and walk out or needing a snack uh, we have all different types of reasons at night. And uh, so that's how it's done. That's awesome. Okay. I want you to share um, without again, revealing who they are, but are there clients that have changed your life and how have they changed your life? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So many, I can't even talk about all of them but my goodness can I you even just have a share lady. can you share a, a few I, I, yeah I will yeah yeah uh I I have uh you know the ones that come to mind I have a lady now even that she was a special ed teacher her whole life and just in the way she talks to everyone including me and anyone that visits she has the most intense just outgoing love about the way she speaks to someone she wants to know what what you're doing and how you're feeling and and it's amazing to see and and basically live with someone who has this type of outflow of of love and and concern for others i've never seen it in anybody else um i mean i've had a lot of great sweet grandmas a lot of nice nice ladies that are that are uh, but she's sort of exceptional and just being around her and learning from her has changed a little bit of how I want to be, you know, you, 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 when you meet someone and you become friends with them and you realize like, wow, this person is amazing. I wish I was like them. You start sort of changing a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a little bit sad though, that we're missing. Oh, when I first started this business, I had a lot of World War II veterans um, and people from that generation, but we're now, they're just no longer, they're, they're too old and most of them have all passed on. Um, so that part is a little bit sad, but I am grateful for the people that I met in that generation, um, hearing their stories. Um, some of the men I would, I sat with a man and he told me about is flying on an aircraft carrier throughout the war and it would, you know, ditch planes right next to it on the carrier. They would, they would have to take up the same plane and just different stories about that, that, uh, that war. And even women who uh, worked in factories, I had a lady that uh, patrolled the beaches in Washington and she was a part of the air Corps, and, uh, just everyone, how they came together during that time. Unfortunately, we don't get to hear any of their stories anymore, except through uh, anything that was collected or written um, or videotaped. But but they they were definitely a generation to be um, just to be revered and very impressive. Yeah, have I mean I'm sure that many have, but. Has there been some that have passed away and you just can't stop thinking about them? 
<laughs> That's a good question. Of course, yeah. I think about a lot of them all the time. Uh, and uh, what's cool is I think, well, I know that eventually when I cross over to the other side, a lot of these people will be there to greet me. Um, and I often wonder about some of them who, you know, I was unable to really develop a relationship with or even talk to because of their condition at the time. I may have met them when they were in the midst of a terrible disease uh, like Alzheimer or uh, a lot of the palsies or Lou Gehrig's disease where you can't talk towards the end of life. And I can see in their eyes that there's a person there and I would have loved to have gotten to know them, but um, I know that I'll be able to you know, get to know them on the other side of the veil. So uh, that brings me a lot of comfort and uh, just having that knowledge, you know, I do think about them a lot to answer your oh. question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I know that the kids, you know, you, that this is your home, right? Yeah. So your children are there. How has this um, home affected them? Yeah, so that's the best part of, I think, when I spoke about the blessings that have come from having this business, my kids were raised in this environment, and it's a service-oriented environment, and what better place for my kids to learn about life, so death, but also service, and um, all of my kids speak highly of this, this home. They just love coming here. They love coming back here if they go away for a while, um, my college students. Um, and, and so uh, they were raised at young ages. You know, I can think of all of my kids going down and sitting with the elderly and talking to them or holding their hand or just playing games with them. And so... Uh, I feel like well, I've seen this and I know that uh, the old and the young go well together. And <laughs> if you can get the most elderly in your society and the, the youngest in your society into any type of social construct where they're spending time together, they both will benefit. And, um, and yeah, I can attest to that truth. It's really a great thing. It's blessed your kids. I want to know um, also, like you had shared how you see um, children that are trying so hard to care for their parents and they realize that they just can't keep it up. How on earth do you continue to like build your stamina spiritually, emotionally, physically? Like what do you do to make sure that you don't start breaking down and wearing down and, and struggling because this is literally your home. You don't, you don't really get a break. You don't get a go away and come back in a few days. Like you're always there. Yeah. You, you have to sort of accept a lot of uh, things. I'll, I'll be honest. I think I have been blessed in ways that others have not. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, I can see that, that I can handle things a lot better than, than others do in terms of workload and patience and, um, 
just being able to to do it all uh and so that isn't something that that i've developed it's just it's just a gift from god um and i have prayed that my business will be blessed i've prayed that i've been able to uh sustain and keep these people healthy and so that part of my life has always been um has always been strong um and so i guess to answer your question i realize that there's sacrifices i make like i don't go on a lot of vacations and uh i am home a lot which is great i just accept that and and you just have to be a homebody to really do this type of business um but I also surround myself with good employees. You know, I'm not 24 seven doing the actual care. Um, I have to consciously make an effort to give myself a break or to take a small vacation. Um, and, and yeah, so that's really how it's done, but, but it's not for everybody. Uh, not everybody can do this. Uh, it's, it's, it is difficult at times and you, you have to be able to, um, to uh, just continue to work all the time and not be afraid to work from your home. I guess I'll relay one story to you. I took on this gentleman. He was a very big firefighter and I, uh, he was a firefighter all his life, but he also had a, a dairy farm. And um, when I took him on, I knew that I would be his sole caregiver because if I would have let my caregivers take care of them, they would have had to use Hoyer lifts and sit stand lifts. And I personally don't like to use a lot of those lifts in my home. I have them in my garage, but I just don't use them. And so he was with me for a couple of months and he was on hospice. So he knew he was dying, but his day-to-day care was on me every single day for those close to three months. And he'd see me get in, come into his room every morning and every night, and I would lift and turn and and a lot of these lifts are require a lot of physical strength and and um, one day he said to me, he said, "How how do you do this every day? I see you here every single day. You don't take a break." And and I looked at him and I said, "You had you had cows, right? You did you ever not milk your cows?" one day did you ever not milk your cows he said no i never did i every day i was out there milking those cows i said that's the same thing i i like working and this is my work so i come in and i take care of you every single day and he he said i like you you're a good guy so really you just put it into a place of context as it used to be we didn't have vacations or even weekends and it's only been a new construct in our society in the last you know three or four generations so i just uh consider i I just consider myself lucky that i have a place to work every single day no that's so true josh can you share because we're coming to a close are there any because i really think the things that are like most impactful is people's stories um do you have any other wonderful people that have come through there that have impacted you with their life story yeah, I'm, I'm always impressed by, 
Um, so I can name a dozen cute little old ladies. And when you say little old ladies, like it's just, that's just what I, what you see in your head. And what I'm amazed by is their quiet um, leadership, really, in their families. Uh, the families that they've built and surrounded themselves with, uh, just based on their uh, their kindness and their love that they that they sort of exude to those around them, um, is a story in and of itself. And what I'm always amazed by is these ladies are not, they don't have amazing jobs. They don't have, you know, amazing life accomplishments that they've done in their life. But yet when you meet and see the people around them, meaning their children, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren, you just see this, uh, this amazing legacy and everyone wants to come visit them because they're the person that they love the most, like in the whole world. And, and you just see all of the good influence that they've had on all of these different people. Um, and it, and sometimes it's not even family members. Sometimes it's just, um, people that show up because this specific person is in my home and they want to see them because they haven't seen them in a long time. And you just see this, this uh, this energy that they get by seeing that person. Um, I had a lady I cared for. She didn't have any children, but she had a lot of people that showed up to see her. And the person that she asked to be her power of attorney in the end was her hairdresser. And her hairdresser was so honored that she would pick her, but I could just see that she was uh, she was somebody that reached out and tried to just love and stay connected and 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 that's most impressive to me because I think in our society now we we're getting more and more disconnected as we as we sit on our phones and our TVs and all these other things. Um, it's the generations before that we can learn from and how they stay connected with one another and how they developed friendships without needing an online connection. And, and it's just, it's cool to see. I, I try to emulate that in my own life. Um, I have, <laughs> I don't know, I've started like this dinner group here in this neighborhood and it's a lot of guys, one guy's an 87 year old man and I took care of his wife. Uh, another guy took care of his mom you know we'll get together and have dinner pretty regularly regularly um and it's because we've developed this bond and friendship over just living near each other or having their loved one come to be cared for in my home and um and i think that's what life is all about really is is establishing those relationships and helping those around us yeah that's so true Okay. Two more questions because <laughs> I know yeah. you have to get back to work. <laughs> That's okay. um, what advice can you give us, uh, those of us that are preparing for in the next three to 10 years, 15 years, our parents, 
what, what's some advice you could share with us that would help us? I know it's very individual, but just yeah, I think the best general. advice would be talk to your parents and uh, establish some guidelines, especially in terms of the finances where um, a lot of families, you know, even my own mother will say like, oh, I never want to go in a place like that. Um, but you need to have a hard conversation and say, I know your wish is for not to go into a facility, but on the off chance that you need a lot of care, you never know what you can, you know, develop what you might need. Um, you may become, you know, you may develop some kind of neurological palsy where you need sort of help, like a paraplegic needs help. Um, and so if that happens, you know, where, first of all, what do our finances look like? Do you need to buy or purchase a long-term care insurance plan? Um, a lot of people's retirement plans even have the ability to, to attach long-term care insurance to it and, and they don't even realize it. But if you do it early enough, that's just one less thing that you can sort of take care of. Um, and so I think just planning for the, for the what ifs in life and having open communication with your parent is very important at any stage of life and, you know, establishing who's going to make decisions and who's going to help them or where they're going to go um, early on while they're able to make those choices uh, so that the family is not floundering when all of a sudden something needs to happen. Um, so that would definitely be a piece of advice I'd advice. give. Oh, that's great advice. Well, the last question that I ask everybody that I interview is how do you personally seek light? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I personally, I seek light honestly in, in a lot of the relationships I have in life. Um, I feel like we're all born with a measure of uh, the light of Christ and others have, you know, some of us have developed that light to exist more in our life than others. And if you can surround yourself with, with those people that have more of that light, um, that's, that's what I do. I seek out those people who, who have more of that light of Christ than I do. And, um, and doing that really is, is, um, has been a great thing in my life. So I guess that's, a, that's the short answer to your question. But. question. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, Josh, I think that the work you do, um, I, I mean, everybody chooses different career paths, but I really think the work you do is so loving and good. And it just, to me, brings peace to families and people that are getting ready to leave this earth. And um, I think you have a wonderful setup there that provides that for our loved thank ones. You. So thank you. <laughs> I am so grateful that you listened to my latest podcast. Please share these episodes with your family and friends. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.